0: Hey friends, Daniel Schreiner here with the Disciple Hinson podcast. This week's guest on the podcast is the preacher that you heard this last week, I trust, from Louisville, Kentucky, Third Avenue Baptist Church, The one, the only, Greg Gilbert, author of What is the Gospel and a bunch of other books. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I certainly found it helpful myself as someone who's been thinking about how to best care for and follow up with non-attending members. And that is the subject of this interview, how to care for non-attending members of our church. I was asking Greg, how do they do it at 3rd? And I gave him zero context to what's happening here at Henson. I didn't talk to him about this category that we currently have in our statement of practices of the removals category. I didn't talk to him about how we do church discipline. I didn't tell him about any stories from recent days at Henson of non-attending members getting upset or anything when we follow up with them. I just wanted to hear how they do it at 3rd, how Greg thinks about this, and I trust you will find it useful just as I did. Greg Gilbert, welcome to the Disciple Henson
1: podcast. How are you today? Thank you, Daniel. I am exhausted, as you should be. You've been working hard. Yeah, we're here at the uh, Simeon Trust workshop. Uh, flew in yesterday on about two hours of sleep. Got a good night's sleep last night, but I'm still tired. You brought your mini me with you, who's not so mini anymore. No, he's not mini at all. I'm the I'm
0: the mini now. Has he got some height on you? He's taller he than you.
1: He's like he's got an inch on me, easy. But so, I still
0: I still probably have. 10 pounds on him, maybe. Uh, this is, we're talking about
1: Justin, uh, who is your eldest. He is. I've got Justin. He uh, just started college at Western Kentucky University. So he's a hilltopper. I know you guys have some hilltoppers in, in Henson. You may hey. not know them, but, but we've seen them here. Like they've they've called out to him because of his hat. So I know you've got them. We're everywhere.
0: T-O-P-S, tops, tops, tops. Yeah. Oh, you're a topper. I'm a topper. That's right. Patrick was a topper. John was a topper. Anna was a topper. We have a
1: ton of toppers. Yeah, we're all about the toppers. So I got Justin. He's he's almost 19 years old, freshman at at, uh, WKU. Jack is a sophomore in high school and Juliet is in sixth grade and then married to Mariah. We've been married almost 20 years.
0: And we uh, met each other at Capitol Hill Baptist in D.C. You, but that was when we met, when I was uh, an intern and a pastoral assistant, and you were serving as an assistant pastor, pastor, yeah, something Yeah, at like that, that point, oh.
1: I don't know, I've had like a half dozen different jobs there. But I, th- yeah. I think when you and I met, I was an assistant pastor, like sort of looking for the next thing.
0: And the next thing uh, in God's providence was pastoring Third Avenue Baptist Church. Yep. In Louisville, Kentucky.
1: Yep. How long there, have you been there now? That was uh, 2010, so a little over 11 years ago. Okay. Yeah.
0: And, but you had also been at Third Avenue before.
1: Yeah. So when I went to seminary in 2002, uh, Mariah and I joined Third Avenue almost immediately. I think we went to Clifton for two weeks, really loved Clifton, but realized they had more help than Third Avenue did. So we joined Third Avenue. Uh, what year was that? That was 02. Okay. And then there was about a four year to five year, depending on how you count the events, there's a four to five year reform uh, that at least I was involved. The reform had been going on since 1998 or nine. okay. But not much progress was made. It was right about 2003 or four that we finally hit critical mass and we were able to make some changes in the church that that kind of accelerated reform. So it was pretty much done by, say, 2007. That was when. You know, simple reformanda, obviously, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but all the major pieces of reforming the church kind of fell into place 2006 and seven.
0: And during that time, like in 2002, you eventually became uh, an elder at Third. Is that correct?
1: Yep. We didn't have elders until 2006 when we passed a constitution. Okay. And so I became one of the first three elders at uh, at Third Avenue.
0: How cool! And now you're you're you've been pastoring this church for over 10 years. Yep. And uh, how are things going at Third?
1: Great, as far as I can as far as I can tell, the Lord's been kind. Uh, the church is happy and unified, even through you know the terrible year of twenty twenty. We I think we weathered that pretty well. So uh, yeah, it's grown a lot. Uh, we're seeing people get baptized. We have an awesome campus outreach ministry going on at U of now, uh, and also a couple other campuses in in town. But yeah, seeing people get converted, baptized. I think it's going great. Craig,
0: remember that time you wrote, what is the gospel?
1: I do. Yeah. And yeah, you said it was while.
0: like uh, God, like man, like Christ, like response.
1: Yep. Each one of those.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it wasn't so much just creation, fall, redemption, restoration, but it was other things. Well, at least you have to use that correctly. Yes. So, yeah. That was awesome thank you appreciate that (laughs) did you you. uh that was a a bad chris farley impersonation just came upon me um did you discover what the gospel was through writing that book or did you know what the gospel was before that
1: no i think i knew what it was i was a christian so i think i knew i think i knew what it was when did you become a christian nine years old southern baptist church christian parents So did you
0: become a Christian and then a Southern Baptist or a Southern Baptist and then a Christian? (laughs) That's an excellent question. I was definitely a Southern Baptist before a Christian. And you started preaching like soon after you were converted.
1: You were a boy preacher. No, that's not true. Oh. First, I think first sermon was like senior year in high school, maybe freshman year in college. Okay. Okay.
0: Well, as much as I would love to hear more about that and about you... Uh, we are going to dive right into the topic and hand, um, which is related to some of the things you've already shared about the reform at Third Avenue, about the times you were at Capitol Hill Baptist. I want to hear about your experience and even just your thinking as a pastor on what to do with a non-attending member, what to do, um... Let's see here. Do you have a section in your church prayer directory of members who are unable to attend due to illness, even maybe COVID concerns or distance? Do you have like a separate Uh, section?
1: No, we don't have a separate section. If you're a member of the church, you're a member of the church. And so our membership directory has uh, everybody. The the only exceptions to that are, uh, we do have a section for what we call commissioned members which means basically that you're a missionary in a particular place where there is no church, but you're trying really hard to, to plant one, to establish one. And so for a certain amount of months or years or whatever it ends up taking, we basically give you permission to not attend the services of third Avenue so that you can be in, you know, Vietnam or Myanmar or wherever it is that you are. How many members do you have in that section? Oh, can you say many, like a half dozen. Okay. Yeah. But not, no, we don't have that, but we do have a couple of lists that 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 are internal so they're not public uh we have a list of of uh and we've had this forever Mm. what we call members in transition so this would be people who are uh, moving to other churches they've moved to other cities and they're looking for a church and we make regular contact with those people to try to shepherd them into their new place COVID has complicated it Mm. right Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. there there are some people because we are we are completely open, so we have 650 seating capacity, and we'll have 650, 670 in the building, not even counting kids. Uh, and we're so unmasked butts are touching butts. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. It's close, and nobody's wearing. Very few people are wearing masks, so there are some people uh, who are just uncomfortable being there, mm. and so we do have a list of those that we've sort of given permission. You know, you, you don't, you don't have to come during this period, but that's such a I hope that's a unique thing in the Mm. history of my pastorate. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, I've never experienced anything quite like it. Hope we can move past it and, you know, not have that sort of list in the future. Sure. There have always been homebound lists, right? When when somebody just can't get out of their house. Yep. So I suppose you might think of it sort of like that. Yeah. It's a little different, but sort of.
0: So I guess, are are there any other legitimate reasons to not attend and still keep your membership at, say, Third Avenue?
1: Well, so we'll have, you know, we have a lot of students and they'll often go home during Mm -hmm. the summer. So that can Mm -hmm. be that can be three or four months. We have some military members who uh, will be away for a long time, though, even with military members, once they get settled into a, a, a place, we encourage them to find a church to join where they are. So you know, we'll allow for time on that, but eventually we'll start kind of pastorally pushing, you know, you need to, you need to join with a church where you can attend.
0: Well, that's what I want to dig into. Like, what does the pastoral pushing look like? But before we go into the the pastor's role in that, how do you encourage your church to reach out to members who are say on the fringe, like they're not attending regularly?
1: Yeah. So mo- most of that takes place uh, through a home group system structure that we've got. So okay. I think 93, 94, 95% of our membership uh, are members of a home group as well. So wow. Even if they don't attend it, they're on a roster. Okay. And so each home we have 50 some odd home groups. So each of those home group leaders knows who their roster is. And they're kind of the first line of pastoral defense in mm-hmm. seeing if people are coming, seeing if they're coming to home group, reaching out to them, seeing how they're doing that's that's kind of first line of pastoral defense. Mm-hmm. Uh For the five to seven percent of the church that is not in a home group, the elders just kind of take direct responsibility for for taking care of them.
0: Okay. And have you ever had people get angry at you or the elders for reaching out and uh, like, why aren't you attending here? Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Happens all the time.
0: And, And so how how do you tend to respond to that? Like here's someone who is not attending regularly and yet they want for whatever reason, uh, they want to keep their membership at the church. Uh, what, how, how do you respond to that?
1: Well, I mean, it can be, it can be difficult. I mean, we start with, with, uh, you know, informal contact. So mm-hmm. one of our pastors or elders, uh, you know, once the home group leader has kind of alerted us that somebody is missing, which is usually how it, how it happens. Okay. One of the staff pastors or elders will reach out to that person and, and, you know, just by text or by a very informal email, Mm -hmm. Hey, how you doing? Mm -hmm. What's going on? Tell us about your life. We miss you. You know, just very kind and, and informal. If they push back on that, it, it, it usually just becomes a conversation of, you know, listen, brother, sister, you, you knew what you were signing up for when you joined the church. Uh, You know, one of the promises that you made to the church very explicitly was that you wouldn't forsake the assembling of, of, of ourselves together. Uh, that you wouldn't omit the great duty of prayer, both for ourselves and others. This are just church covenant things. Language. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, we're straightforward about that. Like, are you in a membership interview? We'll, we'll put the covenant in front of them and say, are you willing to make these promises to the church? Yes. And so a covenant is, is created there. So do you we'll, have
0: them sign it? The covenant?
1: They don't sign it. They just okay. affirm it. Affirm it. Okay. Yeah, just, but it, but it requires a kind of verbal. Yes. You mm-hmm. know, not mm-hmm. verbal, but yeah, they can nod their head, you know, good. Um, so it'll become a conversation about the covenant, about, you know, Hebrews ten twenty five, about the various images of the church as a building, a family. Like those are close images and, you know, you need to be a, you need to be a vital part of this thing. Um, after that, it becomes a little more pushy, right? So yep. uh, if they continue to be absent from everything, eventually after a few months, you'll get what we call, uh, you know, the friendly letter from the elders. So the elders actually have to vote to send this letter it's very friendly can you just catch us up on what what you're doing do you have any intention of joining the church
0: can i see that friendly letter sometime yeah sure okay. i'll send it to you all right
1: thanks uh and then a few months later if there's no response or there's no movement uh, you get a less friendly letter that that starts to reference church discipline yeah okay and that okay. that also requires vote of the elders to to send it okay interesting
0: and so um have you ever disciplined someone for non-attendance at third
1: oh yeah yeah that's that's the I mean, we, we haven't actually disciplined many people over the course of 11 years, I would say it's been a, it's been a good handful, I would say, but, but non-attendance is definitely the most common reason that we've, that we've disciplined people.
0: So in our context, what I'm learning, um, I'm not a native Pacific Northwesterner, as you know, I think for, for our culture, it feels really, uh, it can feel harsh to practice church discipline for something like non-attendance, um, just any thoughts in general on how you would teach into that?
1: Yeah, well, I think you got to. I think you got to start with uh, just teaching about the nature and importance of membership itself, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. so first you have to make a case that membership really is a biblical thing, and it, it very much is. This is not something that. I think I did a podcast with your brother at some point about, about membership because he was explaining to me how the whole idea of joining something and being a member of something is, is not sometimes well received here in the Pacific Northwest, right? which I kind of get. But on the other hand, you know, there are rewards programs and gyms and everything else that you guys join all the time. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's more joining a church is a weird thing, not joining things. Right. Yeah. So you, anyway, you have to make a case that membership is not something that like, LA fitness invented and we stole it from them, right? Or in my childhood, it was Columbia records. You had to become a member of oh, yeah. Columbia records. You get. Your, yeah. They didn't invent that. The, 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 we invented that, you know, Jesus and Paul invented the idea of church membership. So you look at first Corinthians 12, Paul actually uses the word member there. Uh, it goes back to the imagery of the church being the body of Christ. Um, so, so you have to make a case that, 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 that that's real. Um, second thing you got to do is talk about the nature of, of membership and the way, the way I describe that is just to say that whether it's a formal signing of something or getting on a list, it is at its essence, a, a vital meaning living mutually accepted and recognized belonging to a group of people. So that means that, uh, I, as a member of a church have to recognize and accept that, yep, I am a part of this group. And the group has to recognize that, yep, Greg is a part of that, of that group. And then that's got to be a vital sort of living relationship between, between me and the group and the group and me. So however, however the formalities work out and the, you know, databases and the Excel spreadsheets and all the rest of it, that, that's the essence of what it means to be a, a member of a church. Um, after that, you know, the next, the next thing would be to say that, uh, that, that kind of vital mutually recognized relationship with the church is not an optional thing for a Christian. It's actually commanded in the Bible. Where so would you go? I'd go first Corinthians 12. Mm-hmm. Like you just, you just mm-hmm. gotta be a vital member of a church. The mm-hmm. new Testament doesn't contemplate a, a Christian who's not connected to a church unless they're in a missionary context. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh and, and, and even then they're usually sent by some other church. Mm-hmm. So, and then you've got, You know, you've got the description of it in, in first Corinthians 12, Mm -hmm. but see, once, once you've got that, uh, once you understand that it's a command and not optional, uh, if, if somebody has put themselves into a situation where that relationship has become only formal, like it's only a name on a piece of paper Mm -hmm. and there's nothing vital about it, nothing living in it. Well, the membership itself is is drained out of all, all of its meaning and all of its essence. So it becomes a nothing. It becomes empty. And at that point, it's the church's responsibility to say, you know what? Uh, you're not really a member here anymore. I mean, you've got this formal shell of a relationship with us, but it basically just amounts to the fact that you're a name on our spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. But insofar as membership is a vital relationship, it doesn't exist here. So we're, we might as well just take the formal step of saying you know, this thing doesn't exist anymore.
0: And you and at, at Third Avenue, at least at this point in time, that's where you would discipline for non-attendance. So you're saying we can no longer positively affirm this person's profession of faith because they're not a part of us and they're no longer welcome to the Lord's table for celebrating communion with us here at
1: Third. Is that correct or yes. am I overstating it? No, that's correct. Okay. That's right. I mean, we'd be saying a couple of things. We'd be saying we're just going to f- dissolve formally this reality that you have already dissolved, you know, in real life, right? Mm-hmm. You made the decision to to walk away, to drain your your membership here of all its vital meaning. So we're just going to go ahead and dissolve the shell mm-hmm. as, as well. So that mm-hmm. that's part of what we're doing. Uh, second, we're usually in a position where the person is... Uh, saying uh, that they are not going to obey the Bible's command to to join another church, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, sometimes that's explicit. Like we've had people tell us, not "I'm going leaving Third Avenue, and I have no intention of joining a church anytime in the in the future." Right, right. That's an obvious, explicit, you know, disobedience uh, situation. We've had other people who just cut off contact with us. They just, they just stop talking, right. Stop emailing and and that's it. And that's a little bit implicit, but it's still a disobedience of the, of the command to, to be a vital member of a, of a church. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we're all, we're also disciplining for that sin, for that disobedience of the commandment. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing in what you said, like, you're not welcome to come to the Lord's table. That's true though the the funny thing in it is that repentance would actually mean coming back and making that relationship vital again like restarting that relationship so uh, have you ever seen that happen uh uh have we for that I don't think we have for but, but for for other, that per, for other sins yeah uh, absolutely okay you know, um adultery divorce all kinds of things we've seen people repent, repent and come and back come back into fellowship But the funny thing about non-attendance is that Like, we're not looking for any other repentance other than, hey, I'm back and I want to be a vital member of the church again. And we'd be like, yes, absolutely. We'll do it at the first opportunity we've got. So come on back.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So can you envision any scenario where someone won't attend, uh, won't attend your church, won't attend another church, kind of the scenario you just outlined, won't resign, but it's not appropriate to take that step of church discipline? viewers at home, Greg has a look of consternation, per, consternation. That's Perplexity. A better, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I mean, I, I, I hate to say never, but I can't, I can't think of anything quite like that. I mean, we've never actually allowed anybody to resign from third Avenue. It's it's, there's a rule in our constitution that sort of creates that possibility
0: wait 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 so we've again. never
1: allowed anybody to resign their membership from third avenue you either die right which is a king taking you home mm-hmm. uh, or you transfer to another church we've done that a million times okay uh or you uh what's what's the other one? one oh, you, oh, oh ch- ch- church discipline, discipline. Yep. yep yeah so we have a category for resignation like into the world but we've never actually used that or allowed anybody to use that
0: interesting Also, it's making me rethink some of the proposed changes I made to our statement of practices because we changed the language from transfer to resign, but that's another topic and other reasons for that. Um, I guess what I'm trying to get at a little bit, Greg, is in our context, it often feels, but maybe we as elders are just softies, but, uh, like it feels like church discipline feels like a really blunt instrument, um. And you know we come, we have a lot of people in our context who their their experience of organized religion uh, is often like a cult <laughs> out here in the wild, wild west, or authority abused, and sometimes for something that can seem like a sin of omission, omission, like not attending. Um, I mean, I, I understand mm-hmm. that you are positively disobeying Hebrews ten. Uh, so I mean, we could we could talk about what it is, but. Aren't you, I mean, I, I assume there would be some similar cultural things going on, even though you're in a different context, but are you trying as a pastor to avoid during doing church discipline? Not at all costs, but are you kind of trying to avoid that route or are you guys like trigger happy? Like, oh, here's great. Here's another yeah, opportunity. No,
1: <laughs> I mean, we're, we're super patient, mm-hmm. right? So you can, I mean, depending on the circumstances, we've had people who were kind of in that situation won't won't join another church, won't attend, uh, et cetera. So we've had people in that situation for two years. Okay. Or more. Okay. You know? So You're praying for that, that we can person be in yeah, or yeah. they're, you know, they move to a city, mm-hmm. the job doesn't work out, they move to another city, mm-hmm. that job doesn't work out, they move to you know, or yeah. it's yeah. just a a situation that's really, really complicated and, and just has a lot of weird circumstances surrounding it. So no, we're not trigger happy. I mean I mean it's 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 slightly embarrassing actually when the moment finally comes for me to come to the congregation and say, you know, hey, we're finally bringing this person up for discipline. They they actually have been a member but haven't seen any of you for over two years. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. that that will cause kind of little mumbles and groans around the congregation. You know, like why have the elders taken so long to to move on this? So now we're not we're not trigger happy. We're 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 very patient. Church discipline is a blunt instrument, but other than discipleship uh, it's the only uh, it's the only one the Lord has given us hmm. right hmm. so discipleship is like a discipleship is a very gritty toolbox you get you got a thousand tools in that but if somebody says hey I'm gonna I'm gonna completely prevent you from using any of those thousand tools in the tool chest I'm not going to talk to you I'm not gonna converse with you about this anymore you can't use any of those tools. the only other one the Lord has given us is is church discipline. Hmm that's a helpful um, way to put it so yeah we're not trying to avoid it exactly mm-hmm. we're just trying to use it ext- just just rightly we're trying to use it when the moment is right to use it and neither too early nor too late so that's what we're trying to do
0: that's that's really helpful i just have i think a couple more questions unless you have any questions for me um, <laughs> if uh if you know you're speaking on the other side of uh, of a church reform in terms of you you laid out the scenario of how you have been doing teaching for years and third has been uh, have people understand what it means what they got themselves into with church membership, um, but before that think back to other other days earlier days when maybe someone had joined the church before maybe they understood all that that entails would you treat that case or did you treat that case when you were like an lay elder at third or when you were at chbc early on a little differently
1: oh yeah with much more patience hmm. yeah okay yeah much more patience okay. so if you know it's almost the it's almost the terms of the contract under which you you join the church right, right? what was the covenant it was the same covenant but it wasn't described in the same way when mm-hmm. they joined so if uh Yeah. If somebody joined under different terms of the contract, uh, we're not going to try to enforce the new terms of the contract on them. Hmm. Um, but man, if you, if you join the church under the, under the current terms of the contract, when everything is explained to you, Mm -hmm. you know, six ways to Sunday, both in the, in the process leading up to your joining, uh, we're, we're going to hold you, you know, carefully and patiently, but really to the, to the terms of that covenant that you made with the church. Hmm. Um, I think we still have four, Members of the church on paper, maybe it's three. It's three now, uh, who joined it, you know, prior to 1999 under different terms of the contract. Okay, they've never come to terms with the new contract, and so we're still being patient with them, I believe you. it or not. Like 15 you. years on. Sure. Um, there's another fellow who joined like in the 1930s. Uh, who, uh, that was under the old terms, but since then he's kind of come to terms with the new terms. So he okay. understands the, he understands the situation, faithfully mm-hmm. attends when he can. He's, he's almost 90 years old now, but he comes when he can. So, you know, he'd be under a new kind of dispensate, a new kind of, yeah. kind of atmosphere, a new sure. world. Sure. He
0: gets it and understands it. That's great. Have, uh, Sam and Anna Koo transferred their membership or did you guys discipline them out? <laughs> No, I,
1: we definitely did not discipline them. I don't think they've transferred yet.
0: Oh, well, Sam and Anna, if you're listening, Anna, Anna Koo is my sister. Uh, they they really miss third. Maybe that's why they're, oh, they're that's low. Kind of yeah. We miss them too. Greg, thanks so much for having this conversation. Just a couple quick ways we can pray for Third Avenue Baptist Church.
1: Yeah, sure. You can, uh, uh, you can certainly pray for campus outreach uh, the Lord seems to be doing incredible stuff through that ministry. Uh, it seems like we baptize multiple students every single month, uh, who are coming to faith in Christ. Uh, we actually just gave over our Sunday evening service to pray in for a dozen students or so who, uh, just need to know Jesus wow. and prayed for him, you know, by name all, all evening long. So, uh, we'd That's love exciting. to see. Yeah, it's awesome. We'd love to see the Lord bring, bring those people to faith. Um, We have sort of plans and intentions of renovating the building to double its size. Yeah,
0: if you had, you have, so how many members are at third? Uh, 720 something. Okay. And your auditorium just seats around 650. 650. uh, Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So we'd love to double the size of that thing, but it Mm -hmm. it takes a ton of money to do that. So yeah.
0: So if any really rich people are listening to this podcast, give me a call. Okay. Very (laughs) good. Greg, thanks so much for taking the time. We should go get food.
1: You're welcome. I'm all about it.